Good morning, I'm Andra Fikera, and this is the World in 7 Minutes for Thursday, October 6, 2016. The shadow of terrorism is spreading again in Europe. Yesterday, two Belgian police officers were stabbed by a knife-wielding man in Brussels' Scherbeck neighborhood, in the same area where there was the laboratory that manufactured the bombs used in the massacre of Paris in November 2015. The news is still uncertain. For some local media, the suspect will be a former boxer. For others, a Belgian former soldier, on duty until 2009, already known by the police and quoted in all dossiers for having contact with people in Syria. The fear has increased after the French newspaper Le Monde published a dossier that reveals how the terror attacks in the French capital and those in March in Brussels were part of a single and elaborated plan of action. Meanwhile, in the afternoon, a bomb threat, later proved false, had prompted to evacuate the Gare du Nord train station and the Nerby prosecutor office. False, also the other two alarms, tripped at the Gare du Sud and the Charleroi airport. Another terror suspect in another country. After months of investigation, the family of the Toronto University student, who was accused of being related to the terror attack occurred three months ago, expressed finally relief when Wednesday the court formally cleared him of all allegations. Tamid Asib Khan, 22, was taken into custody after surviving the July 1st bloody attack on a restaurant in Bangladesh, where five Islamist militants shocked the country, killing 20 people and taking several others hostage. The student, a customer of the restaurant during that night, has been detained under a Bangladesh law that allows police to hold a suspect even without a warrant, if there is a suspicion of criminal involvement. At the end, the National Police identified the mastermind of the attack. Another student from Canada, Tamim Chowdhury, appeared in ISIS propaganda as the leader of the terrorist group's faction in the country. After a tip, officers raided the house used as a hideout by Chowdhury and other militants and opened fire when they failed to surrender. Chowdhury was born in Bangladesh but grew up in Ontario, where, after completing a chemistry degree at the University of Windsor, he left Canada to travel to Syria. Meanwhile, in Africa, six people have been killed in a terror attack on a residential compound in the northeastern Kenya town of Mandera. The liability was immediately attributed to Islamist militants belonging to the Somali extremist group Al-Shabaab. The Mandera region, on the Somali border, has often been targeted by terrorists. The group has also declared that it will continue its campaign of attacks in the country until the Kenyan government there withdraws its troops from Somalia, where they are part of an African Union force sent to fight the militia extremists. Al-Shabaab has killed hundreds of people in the past three years hurting the country's vital tourism industry. But besides the attacks in the northeast, the group has also struck popular areas, like the capital Nairobi, where, in 2013, a gunman attacked the Westgate shopping center, where at least 67 people were killed and 175 injured, or the Garissa University College, in April 2015, where the militants reportedly singled out 148 Christian students and shot them. Changing the topic, Joshua Wong, 19, considered one of the leaders of the so-called Umbrellas Movement, was detained at the international airport in Bangkok early Wednesday, while trying to enter in Thailand. The leader of the pro-democracy rallies in Hong Kong said that, after being invited to speak to mark the 40th anniversary of a bloody crackdown on student demonstrators in Bangkok, 
about 20 Thai immigration officers had met him in the airport to block his entry into the country. The government cited concern of Mr. Wong's activity in Thailand could eventually affect Thailand's relations with other nations. But even if the Thai foreign ministry said the government doesn't prohibit freedom of expression, it's not the first time that Joshua Wong has been barred from an Asian country. In May of the last year, Malaysia denied him entry to the country because even then didn't want to jeopardize relations with China. Mr. Wong has become a leading and also inconvenient figure after the so-called Umbrella Revolution protest in 2014 pushed thousands of students to talk to the street calling for democratic elections in Hong Kong. One more story. There is great hope, but also a lot of caution in the scientific world after the first results of a new British therapy that may have cured the first HIV-positive man. Scientists who are monitoring the 44-year-old man said that the virus is now completely undetectable in his blood. But some experts say that just because the virus is so far undetectable, it doesn't mean that it has definitely been destroyed. The team who created this new therapy, gathering researchers of five universities, Oxford, Cambridge, Imperial College London, University College London and King's College London, is conducting trials on other 50 people. Currently, antiretroviral therapies target active T-cells, which are infected with HIV, but they cannot target dormant T-cells, leaving patients' bodies to continue to reproduce the virus. The new therapy instead works in two stages. First, a vaccine identifies the HIV-infected cell in the body. Then, a new drug called Vorinostat activates the dormant T-cell so they can be targeted by the immune system. That's all for today. Subscribe or follow the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or Twitter. And visit the website at thewordin7minutes.com. As always, thanks for listening.